If you guys are ever in need of a car, truck, or vehicle for a few hours or a few days, Get Around is at your service. If you're not familiar with Get Around, it's a car sharing app. You can literally unlock cars near you through their app. Better yet, if you have a car that's just sitting around, make some extra money for your next vacation. Get Around's insurance policy and 24-7 customer service have you covered. Go to get.co backslash nuggets to save $15 off your first rental. Or you can visit get.co backslash BSN to sign up for free to rent your car out and start making some money fast. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwell. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented by Total Beverage right now for a limited time. BSN listeners have an exclusive deal at Total Beverage. You guys can get $10 off a $50 purchase or more on their website and app by using the promo code BSN10. So again, go to the Total Beverage app, go to their website, type in that promo code BSN10. You guys can get $10 off a $50 order or more and have it delivered right to your door because Total Beverage now delivers to anywhere in the North Metro area, all the way from Wheat Ridge to Erie. So make sure to check those guys out at Total Beverage. Harrison Wind and Christian Clark, we are here recording Tuesday night, Wednesday edition of the show. I got to get Christian's take on the Spurs game from Monday, of course. I recorded a solo postgame edition of the pod with some of my initial thoughts on that loss. If you want to hear it, uh, check it out. It's Tuesday's show. But I got to get Christian's take, and then we'll also look ahead to the Lakers game, of course, on Wednesday in Los Angeles could be a bit of a funeral for our friends, the Los Angeles Lakers. I like how you said Lakers there. You you reminded me of the gif of the guy with the, the shirt with only like two buttons buttoned up. And that's he's, what I was he, going for. Yeah, he's push, pushing on the Lakers necklace. And that's an all-time gif. That's what I was going for. I was going to make a total beverage reference before we got going here and say, you know who could really use some uh, beer or wine or whatever their preferred beverages from a total beverage? Lakers guy. Yeah, also just the general G League coach. I just sat through a, a G League game here on a Tuesday night, Capital City versus Greensboro, watching Nuggets rookie Tyler Lydon play. If you're curious, uh, Tyler Lydon in his G League debut, 13 points, 4-10 shooting, 3 of 6 from 3 in 28 minutes. Capital City falls to Greensboro, 139-125. I say that because, man, coaching the G League, that's a rough gig. That's a rough gig. Teams don't really play that much defense. Players are getting shuffled in and out, getting called up to the NBA, getting sent back down, going overseas, coming back. Guys are really just looking for their stats, I feel like. It looks like a pickup game out there a lot of times. Uh, Those coaches got to be underpaid. You know they can't be making that much money. Uh, So it's a tough gig. 
Yeah, it's hard to imagine anybody, you know, playing on a G League team being like, you know what, I'm just going to be the glue guy of this G League right. team. Like, it's okay if I only have eight points. You know, I had a really nice plus minus. Did you guys see that plus minus? Yeah. Odds are they didn't see that plus minus. I yeah. mean, it's tough. I feel like, you know, as unselfish as a guy as Monte Morris is, I remember watching his G League games and he was gunning for points. I mean, you've got to. It's, it's like a uh, killed or be killed philosophy in the G League, <laughs> I feel like. It's every man for themselves. It's like an animalistic society. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a real primal thing. You're kind of fighting for your NBA life there. Right, right. All right, so let's look back at this Spurs game here because I'm curious to get your take on it. My overarching take after this loss was I felt like a lot of Nuggets fans were panicking a little on Twitter. Oh, Isaiah Thomas this, we've lost three in a row, blah, 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 blah. My general take was I don't think you should be panicking. This is a three-game losing streak. We knew there were going to be a lot of bumps along the way when integrating Isaiah Thomas. I don't feel like he was the reason or even the second reason or third reason that the Nuggets lost this game to the Spurs and that there were a lot of people jumped to conclusions, I would say. And so that was my overall premise. I don't think Nuggets fans should panic. I believe they're still on a good track. Everything's going to be okay. They're still second in the West. They still have an inside track on the second seed. What was kind of your just overall feeling after this one? Well, yeah, not panicking because they have what's effectively a four-game lead over the Oklahoma City Thunder for the two seed. Like They've been put themselves in such a good position that even when they drop three in a row, I'm definitely not hitting the panic button. Um, other encouraging sign for Denver, I mean, the starting lineup looked good um, overall. Uh, most of those guys finish in a positive. That, that first quarter was pretty ugly. I mean, that was probably the biggest reason they lost this game, but you know, I think what you've seen from the starting lineup in just the limited amount of minutes it's played during this final third of the season, it's looked pretty good, and there's some room for improvement. They've just got to get this Isaiah Thomas thing figured out. And, you know, it is kind of painful in the, in the interim, but I, I just think this is a temporary speed bump. I think the Nuggets are going to be fine. I think they're going to finish with, with a top three seed, so mm -hmm. I'm not worried about it at all. Yeah, let's – look back at the first quarter a little because I feel like that's where this game was lost. And if you're looking for one reason, and I know it's never one reason, but if you're looking for a the, the biggest contributing factors to this loss, I feel like it was the first quarter. Denver got outscored 36 to 17. They didn't come out in an offensive rhythm. Uh, they weren't executing. They weren't really playing Nuggets basketball on the offensive end. And we know, you know what it looks like when the Nuggets are playing their brand of basketball. That wasn't the case early on against the Spurs. I didn't think the defense was that great either. That just seems like the biggest thing that sticks out when looking at this loss. The way they came out was not really doing them any favors. Yeah, I thought the defense was pretty awful there in the first quarter and the first half. Just just so many blow-bys. I mean, that's been you know maybe this team's biggest issue over the last couple of seasons, just defending the ball. Um, you know, it's just so tough defensively. Nikola Jokic has made a lot of strides, but when you have guards in the perimeter who, who aren't containing the ball, like Jokic isn't going to be a, a guy in that back line who's erasing your mistakes. Yeah, he's not Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just imperative for... Them, On the defensive end. ...for the Nuggets guards to, to just stay in front and force those guys baseline. Like, how many times did a Spurs player just, just catch the ball in the wing and just take one or two dribbles and get right to the middle of the floor? Yeah, it happened a ton in the first quarter. I mean, Derek White got right to the hoop. Bryn Forbes got right to the hoop. 
And it's funny, the Spurs aren't even a team I feel like that really scares you with their like penetrators and ball handlers. It's not like it's Russell Westbrook out there trying to get into the teeth of the defense. You know, it's not like it's James Harden. It's Derek White and Bryn Forbes. But still, those guys are really good. They're heady. They're smart. They can take advantage of poor defenders, which is what the Nuggets were in the first quarter. Yeah, Bryn Forbes becoming a player is the most Spurs-ish ever. Oh, it's so Spursy. It's so Spursy. Like, he was like a good, not even great player in college. You know? He, he what, spent four years at Michigan State? He was probably only really good like his senior year because he was just older than everybody. He was not spectacular in college, and sure enough, now he's starting for the Spurs. Yeah, I don't know if he would be a good rotation piece on any of the 29 other teams. Like <laughs> yeah. Maybe the Warriors, I guess. But like th- th- this is one of the only teams where you can see him developing into a good rotation player. I feel like he could... Yeah, I was going to say he could steal a couple minutes in Denver, but that backcourt is especially deep now. A lot of guards. <laughs> There's a lot of point guards to get minutes for in the Nuggets' backcourt right now. Yeah, I don't mean to take anything away from Bryn Forbes either. Like, kudos to him. I, I like watching him play. He's a fun player, actually. But, no, you're right. The, the Spurs aren't a team, like, with a lot of burners who, who just break your ankles. Like, I was looking up some splits before the game. I mean, it's it's almost comical the degree to which the Spurs live in the mid-range zones on the floor. They take 47% of their field goals uh, from the mid-range. The next closest team is 37%. It's like a 10% yeah. gap. So, yeah, the, the Spurs team, I mean – they're solid offensively, don't get me wrong, but like they're not overpowering or like they're not going to burn you to the ground or anything, and that's kind of what happened in the first quarter. They also have Drew Eubanks, who I swear <laughs> is not a real player. I swear he's not a real person. Well, I Yet think he, he is. Got... He, was on my, he was on the Kyleville Middle School 7th grade B team, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Yet he somehow got four minutes off the bench for the Spurs last night and blocked uh, – Isaiah Thomas at the rim. Was it Isaiah Thomas? He blocked somebody at the rim. I think it was Isaiah Thomas. Anyways, look, this is why I'm a little worried about playing the Spurs in the playoffs, if I'm Denver. It's really tough to win in that arena. It's difficult to describe the feeling you get walking into AT&T Center, but everybody who's watched the game there knows what I'm talking about. It's a tough place to win. It's intimidating. It's old. It's a no-frills arena. You go around to all these different arenas if you're covering a game as a member of the media. You go to your seat and there's like a nice placard with your name and you know what media company you're with and it's like laminated or it's on cardstock. When you go to a Spurs game and go to your seat, it's just like a white sheet of paper that has your name, Harrison Wind. Well, you left out the part where their mascot eats a half a pound of mushrooms before every game too. I mean, have <laughs> you seen Wiley the Coyote's eyes? That too. That too. Their mascot is tripping out for 48 minutes during the game. Yeah, I, there were just random shots of him in the background, and I was on my couch like, oh, oh my God. Like, let's get him <laughs> off the screen. Yeah, and, and there's just like bats roaming around, flying around that arena. Um, there's really weird hallways there. It's really hard to describe. Um you just kind of got to be there to experience it. Well, the Nuggets would never say this publicly, but if you ask them, like, do you feel a little cursed or, or snake bitten in this arena? I mean, they've got to after the last couple of years. They, last year, they had a chance to win it. Will Barton got a great look from the top of the key. Mm-hmm. That shot rimmed out. Gary Harris got, I mean, it was a lot tougher look than Barton's last year, but a pretty clean look on, on this fadeaway three, and it, it kind of lipped out two shots right there to win it, and they've both just been on like an inch off. Yeah. What do you think of that? potential game winner that the Nuggets drew up 
they had three cracks at it. Three cracks at the game winner. Uh, the Spurs fouled on one of them. Good shot. Good execution. What do you think? Well, I mean, if you're just talking about the last shot, yeah, the um, Gary Harris one. Let's let's just keep it to that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a decent look. It's it's just tough when you've got that little time on the clock. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't mind the decision to have Nikola Jokic throw the ball in because when you have that little time, just the pass becomes so important. And I'm okay with having a guy who can see over the top of the defense. And Gary and Nikola have hooked up in a similar situation. OKC last year where Gary hits a game-winning three. So I'm okay with having Jokic throw it in there. Um, but, I mean, I, I thought where, you know, the Nuggets really didn't win this game was the two possessions prior to that. I mean, Jamal Murray gets, what, a seven-foot floater right. completely uncontested. Right, should have made that. Great play call from Michael Malone. And then I thought the, the one where Jokic gets the ball under the basket was a great play call as well. It's just Will Barton and Jokic were just like a quarter of a second right. away from hooking up there. He got Jokic the ball a little bit late, but even still – if Jokic was just a little patient with it and and worked it around, I think they could have gotten a good shot. He just kind of jumped on his feet. Um, rare moment of panic there for a guy who, who's been really good in clutch situations this year. Yeah, the, the final one, the Gary Harris one, I agree with you. It's not the worst thing in the world to have Nikola Jokic inbounding the ball there because we've seen the Nuggets struggle to inbound the ball in some late-game situations this year. And Nikola Jokic, I don't think – there's anybody more that you trust to make a smart play there than him. Gary Harris, he's hit clutch shots for Denver before. I totally get that. I wouldn't have been upset, though, if the ball got inbounded to Nikola Jokic there, say, at the elbow, and just kind of let him put up the best shot he could there. I don't think that would have been a bad option at all. But Denver got a good look. Look, the shot almost went in. So I don't think we'd be debating this if that shot saw, went through the net. Going to Jokic on the elbow there is kind of interesting. That's like what the Mavs would have done with, with Dirk years ago. I mean, just have that, that seven-footer who's going to shoot that uh, high-arching fadeaway with yeah. a little time on the clock. It's not a bad idea. I mean, go the guy who was 10 of 14 in this game. Oh, that too. Wouldn't have been a bad <laughs> idea. But they got a good look. Gary's been clutch before. He, he's hit big-time shots, no doubt. And you're right. They have hit on that Jokic to Gary Harris connection uh, before. But, yeah, this was a tough one. What is it, 13 in a row now that they've lost in San Antonio? Yeah, 13 in a row. It's been seven years. You, were, you tweeted out some of the guys who were on the Snuggets roster the last time they won. Mm-hmm. Julian Stone, I also didn't know that was a guy. Yeah, Julian Stone. NC State, I believe. Okay. Uh, Jordan Hamilton also was on the bench that game. Al Harrington played like 33 minutes for Denver off the bench that night. Definitely. I think Kawhi Leonard was like a rookie that year. Al Harrington definitely had to rub some CBD oil on the old joints yeah. after that one. Yeah, uh, marijuana connoisseur, Al Harrington. So, yeah, a tough one for Denver. They lose three in a row. This is another point I brought up on the show last night. These three games, look, you lose a game to the Spurs in San Antonio. Any team in the league can lose in San Antonio on any given night. They lose at home to the Jazz. Going back to that game, I always felt like in that one, Utah just played a great game offensively and defensively. Just a great game from them up and down the roster, from the coaching staff uh, to Donovan Mitchell to Rudy Gobert. They just outclassed Denver that night, I thought. And the Pelicans, look, they didn't have Anthony Davis, but they've had some decent wins over these last couple of games. They just beat the Jazz the other night. So I don't know if that's like worst loss of the season territory anymore although it certainly seemed like it at the time. So three losses, I, I don't think you can you know, get really 
that upset at any of them except maybe that Pelicans game. I don't know. Yeah, you can get upset at the Pelicans game. <laughs> I'm trying to turn this one up, turn this one around, all right? <laughs> Stay positive. Yeah. Um, I mean, we just spent all this time talking about the end, but like we said before, this was about the beginning. I mean, getting outscored 36 to 17, like Mike Mullen said in his post game address, you just want your team to come out with a little more sense of urgency when you've just gotten beat twice in a row. Yeah, and another reason I'd be worried about playing the Spurs in the playoffs is, of course, the Greg Popovich factor. And he's thrown some wrinkles at the Nuggets in each one of these games, I feel like, that these two teams have played this year. Think back to that first matchup of the year. He doubles Jokic really harder than I've seen any team double him this year. Forces Denver's role players to beat them from the outside. And if you remember, that was one of those games where Denver was without three starters. It was like Torrey Craig shooting 10 threes in a game, you know, trying to just keep the Spurs on us from three-point range. And San Antonio won that game. They come back to Denver two nights later. They played a home-and-home. Home. They don't nearly double Jokic as much in that game. Denver wins that one. In this game, I thought the wrinkle Greg Popovich threw in, he had his guys who were guarding Jamal Murray go under pretty much every ball screen that Jamal Murray was involved in. I can't remember a ton of teams employing that defensive tactic on Jamal this season. And I felt like it was pretty effective for really three quarters until Jamal really just got hot in the fourth. What do you just think of that? Well, I thought that was a really interesting wrinkle because you, you look at it on paper, Jamal Murray, 37.5% for three, 5.6 attempts per game. You think, oh, that guy is too good of a shooter for us to go under on the screen. We, we can't do that. But, you know, when, when you watch the Nuggets play, it's Jamal and Nicole Jokic, DHO, pick and roll. If the Nuggets get it to Jokic on, on that roll, it's just over for a defense. They're mm-hmm. screwed. So that's one way to counter that and, and just dare Jamal Murray to beat you. He's such a streaky player. I, I mean... When, when he's missed a couple, he almost looks rattled. But when he makes a couple, he's like the most confident player in the NBA. It's weird. I mean, we, we saw that across these two's halves here. But it's just so weird to see him be hesitant when guys are going under screens. There was a, a DHO with Jokic in the first quarter where Jamal's standing in the left corner. He whips it to Jokic on kind of the, the left wing. DHO, they go under. Yeah, it was and, like the first play of the game, right? Yeah, I think it was. And it's like, Jamal, just pop it. This is what you do, man. You you just got to take that and have no conscience about it. He's that good of a shooter. Yeah, I would have loved to be able to ask Greg Popovich what his thinking there. I mean, he would never tell, but I'm just be so curious about it. I mean, Jamal's shooting around 40% from three at Pepsi Center at home this year. He's down at around 35% on the road. So like a lot of young players, he's a much better shooter at home. Then on the road, he was just coming off, what, a one-for-seven performance from three against the Pelicans. Didn't shoot it well from three the last time he was in San Antonio. I think he was one of eight from beyond the arc that night. Maybe that was part of Popovich's thinking as well. I'm not sure, but it was an interesting tactic. And look, Jamal seemed out of sorts really until the last eight minutes of this game when he caught fire. And we know what he does when he catches fire. Like we've said before, he's one of the biggest swing players in the league, if not the biggest swing player in the league. When he's on, when Jamal Murray is on, when he's firing blue arrows, when he's knocking things down from beyond the arc, when he's playing without really thinking and just going for it, like the Nuggets are probably the best team in the league when he's at that level. When he's not, when he's at the level he was for three quarters last night, you know, maybe they're the fourth or fifth best team in the league. 
Yeah, I mean, this this game was such a perfect example of just the inconsistency in, in his game right now. Um, I mean, when he's firing, he is just terrifying, but he just goes through these lulls sometimes where, I mean, he's such a negative out there. It's weird. Um, I mean, this is his third season. Uh, he just turned 22 a couple weeks ago. I think it's too early to, like, say Jamal Murray's an inconsistent player or anything like that. Like, I think there's plenty of time for him to figure it out, but... You know, as far as Jamal Murray goes, that's like the number one thing I'm going to be watching next year. Can he get a good start out of the gates? He's been a slow starter the past couple seasons. And Mm -hmm. can we just see him, you know, get his 18 or 20 and do it efficiently every single night rather than going for eight night, one night and going for like 34 the next? Expectations were so high for him coming into this season, I felt like. He was getting that most improved player of the year buzz and award, I think, could go to Malik Beasley, by the way. Uh, but I don't know if he's underwhelmed because he still had a solid season, I think, for a 22-year-old, but maybe expectations were a tad too high heading into this thing. Yeah, I mean, shit, we, we probably played a role in that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I thought Jamal was going to lead the team in scoring this year. I was, I was definitely, you know, my line of thinking was, oh, Jamal didn't even really get to work out the summer before because he was recovering from that double sports hernia. Like, he's just going to be in the, in the gym all summer and – that's really going to help his game. Um, I think Jamal has improved a little bit in some ways. I think he's a better playmaker this year than last year. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got to keep leveling up. I mean, there's still a long way to go for him as a handler, playmaking even though he's gotten better this year, and, and just being that consistent dead-eye shooter. Yeah, the injuries at the beginning of the year were tough. Those ankles, yeah. I mean, that really held him back at the beginning of the year, it felt like. Didn't really allow him to get into a groove until I'd say – December when he had that really good month, month and a half stretch. So we'll see if he can string together some efficient and uh, some big time scoring games down the stretch. I feel like any night could still be a Jamal Murray 40 point game. You know, let's hit a break real quick. Got a lot more to get to on today's show. We've got to talk about the bench. Of course, got to talk about Isaiah Thomas get some thoughts on his performance the other night and what that bench unit should look like going forward. We'll also look ahead to this Lakers game. An interesting matchup for sure Wednesday night against LA, who's pretty much looking ahead to the summer and what free agent they might be able to get uh, to Los Angeles. Before we go to break, though, I got to remind you guys about the deal we've got going on at bsndenver.com for subscriptions. Right now, you can get a one-year subscription to BSN Denver for $29.99. It's usually $35.99 a year. This new price comes out to just $2.50 a month. How do you get it? Go to bsndenver.com backslash subscribe. There'll be a box where you can type in a promo code. Type in the promo code NUGGETS, N-U-G-G-E-T-S. That gives you the one-year subscription for $29.99. Guys, I say it all the time, but our podcast is probably about only 25% of the content we put out on a weekly basis. So if you're only listening to the podcast, you're missing out on a lot of Nuggets content, exclusive interviews, analysis, game grades, really a story every day about the Nuggets, multiple stories on game days. So bsndenver.com backslash subscribe, promo code Nuggets. You can get a one-year subscription for $29.99. And if you guys get in on that deal right now, we've got a little competitions that's still going on between our Broncos, Avalanche, and Rocky sections of the sites. Our specific promo code is Nuggets. All the other sports have their own specific promo code. And whoever 
gets the most fans of their respective sport to sign up during this exclusive offer. All of you guys will get free t-shirts from the BSN Denver Locker. If more of you guys sign up for subscriptions than Rockies fans, than Broncos fans, and Avalanche fans do. So get on this offer before it expires, bsndenver.com backslash subscribe, promo code nuggets. Dr. Rick and his team at Belmar Chiropractic focus on getting to the root cause of your problem instead of chasing symptoms. The results have been like above and beyond anything I could have ever expected. My pain is completely gone, full of energy, even throughout my entire pregnancy. He was able to adjust me and it sounds crazy to say, but like no back pain throughout my whole pregnancy. That was just really amazing. It's better than anything I could have expected for sure. That was Caitlin. Like her, many people who had looked everywhere and tried everything finally found relief and healing at Belmar Chiropractic. It makes you feel really comfortable because he always tells you what he's doing before he actually does it. So I always felt really, really comfortable and they're all so warm and welcoming as well, which is always great. Dr. Rick can help decrease anxiety and depression, reduce stress, improve mental focus and clarity, provide better quality of sleep, boost your immune system, and so much more. He's definitely the most knowledgeable chiropractor I've ever been to, and I've actually have recommended him to many, many of my friends and coworkers. Give Belmar Chiropractic a call today at 303-233-1236. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast, Wednesday edition of the program, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here. Looking back on this Spurs game, and in a couple minutes, we'll preview a really interesting matchup Wednesday when the Nuggets... Go to Los Angeles, take on the Lakers, which could be an interesting game from a number of angles. We'll get into that in a second. Let's continue to look back at this Spurs loss, Denver's third straight loss, and let's look at the bench unit because it's been a hot topic of conversation for sure. Isaiah Thomas, his seventh game in a Nuggets uniform, he goes 3 of 11 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3, 7 points. Malik Beasley had a nice night off the Nuggets bench, uh, 15 points on 6 of 11 shooting. Mason Plumley, kind of an off night for him. He was a minus 18 overall in 14 minutes. He was coming off a couple decent games, though. Monte Morris was quiet as he's been uh, in this last stretch of games. Torrey Craig got a nice amount of minutes as well, too, which I was pretty excited about because I feel like Torrey should be getting some more minutes here with this bench group. Overall, what did you think of the bench's performance uh, in this game compared to how they've looked over these last couple? Yeah, I mean, it, it was underwhelming again. It's kind of crazy just what's happened to, to Monte Morris, you know, the role he was playing before IT was here and the role he's kind of been reduced to now. Um, here are some of Monte's numbers in the seven games that he's played next to Isaiah Thomas. He's averaging 6.4 points per game on 37% shooting, um, shooting 14% from three. Uh, hasn't shot that many of them. Uh, 2.1 assists and 0.7 turnovers. You know, that assist to turnover ratio is okay, I guess, for some mortal point guards, but we know Monte in the year is like something like six to one, seven to one or something like that. That's not a very good mark for him. I mean, Monte has just kind of been put on the back burner and, and trying to fill in where he can, but I mean, he just doesn't look anything close to, to where he was, you know, most of the season. It's just, it's just a weird dynamic. And I, I mean, I just don't know if, if it can work between these two Those guys. Those first couple of games, I felt like they had shown some promise, Isaiah Thomas and Monte Morris operating in the same backcourt, but they just haven't had any real sort of chemistry here as of late. Monte's shooting percentages here are just wild over these past couple of games. I mean, this was a guy who shot 53% from the floor in November. 
He shot 47% from the floor in December, 51% from the floor in January, 51.5% from the floor in February. And over these last couple games, I mean, two for six against Oklahoma City, one for six against Utah, shot three of six against New Orleans, but two of eight against San Antonio. So he's shooting much worse percentages on fewer attempts. It's um, it's weird. It's a weird dynamic in the Nuggets backcourt right now with him and Isaiah Thomas. Monte's not an off-the-ball guy. He's a guy who thrives with the ball in his hands. And I went over uh, the tracking data on Monday's show, I believe, how Monte's touches per game are down 18 to 20. Uh, per contest right now. He's a guy who thrives with the ball in his hands. We've talked about it all year. He's a true point guard. He can play pick and roll. He can play dribble handoff. He loves setting his guys up. The Nuggets bench has thrived all year with the ball in his hands. I think it's been no surprise that as the ball has been taken out of his hands, the bench unit struggled. Yeah, I was, I was kind of listening to a couple of shows on Altitude today. And one of the, I guess, discussions they're having was they're a little surprised that Isaiah Thomas, you know, sat back and watched his bench unit and how this Nuggets offense, equal opportunity offense is set up and came in and and is really just playing the game that we saw in Boston. He's shooting a lot. He shot 11 times in 16 minutes in this game. Um, it's heavy diet of, of high pick and roll. And, you know, on one hand, I, I can see where those guys are coming from because, like, you know, when this team has been playing so well, you'd like to hear a guy say, yeah, I just want to fit in. But on the other hand... You don't average 29 points per game and be five foot eight and not just have like overwhelming self confidence. Like I, I just, I just don't know if Isaiah Thomas at this stage in his career, with all that he's done, can like drastically change the way he plays. You know, I'm not surprised Isaiah Thomas is playing this way. This is the way I thought he would be playing yeah. right when the Nuggets signed him last July. This isn't a guy who's in his second or third or fourth year. You know, this is a guy who's been in the league for eight years now. Uh, he's been a true scorer, a high usage guy his entire career. I'm not surprised that that hasn't changed so far uh, through seven games in Nuggets uniform. I mean, he's playing just like he did in Boston, just like he did in Cleveland, just like he did in LA uh, last year. So I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, he's a bucket getter. Mm -hmm. Like He doesn't really fit into many other styles of playing, you know? The difficult dynamic at play here, and this is something that hasn't been talked about enough, I think, is that Isaiah Thomas is on a one-year veteran's minimum contract right now. He's probably not going to be back with the Nuggets next year. Isaiah Thomas has to get a contract next summer, and he's got to show other teams over these final 20 games that he can still hoop. He's got to show other teams that he can still score, that he can still shoot, that he can still move out on the court, and he's got to show enough to earn a contract next summer that is, for his sake, hopefully more than a minimum deal. You know, that's one of his priorities right now. Of course, he wants to help the Nuggets win games and whatnot, but, I mean, he's also got to look out for his self-interests. And so that's another reason why I'm not surprised he's looking to shoot the ball a lot. He's looking to put up numbers and show teams, hey, I can still play. I'm still IT. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. It, there, there's just so many factors to this. And what do you do if, if you're Michael Malone right now? I mean, do you, do you continue to just ride it out as is, at least the remainder of this road trip? They got LA on Wednesday, the Lakers, and, and then the Warriors on Friday. It's an incredibly difficult situation for Michael Malone to be in. It's almost impossible because here's Isaiah Thomas, a guy who he goes back a long ways with ever since Isaiah Thomas's first couple years in this league and where Michael Malone was as a first-year head coach in Sacramento. 
These two go back a long ways. Michael Malone really wanted Isaiah Thomas here this summer. The Nuggets signed him, and he was a big reason why Isaiah Thomas signed here for sure. I don't know if he signs here if it's not for Michael Malone. I don't know how high the Nuggets interest is in Isaiah Thomas if it's not for Michael Malone. So that's also just a little peek into why it's such a difficult decision and a difficult situation for Michael Malone to manage. I think what happens here is you probably at this point have to ride this out for you know at least the next stretch of games, however long that is, a couple weeks. You know, I'm not really sure. For the Nuggets' sake, they're lucky they have this cushion on the two seed where they can try to make this work here and they can go through the bumps and bruises and whatnot. But I do think also that because Michael Mullen played such a large part in bringing Isaiah Thomas here because of the relationship that those guys have, you know, he's also going to feel a responsibility to make a really difficult decision when it comes to Isaiah Thomas and his playing time if that kind of is the decision that needs to be made. So I feel like he won't be tentative to do something drastic if that's what the situation calls for because of kind of those factors that were the reason why Isaiah Thomas wound up here in the first place. And if you're you're looking at these next four games, I think it's kind of interesting that the Nuggets are playing four times in a row on national TV. The California games, they're both on ESPN. The games next week against Minnesota and Dallas at home are both on TNT. This team is going to be under a heavy spotlight because of how well they've done and just being on national TV. Like All those shows are going to be talking about Isaiah Thomas's return and is it throwing off the, the dynamic in Denver? How many of those games are players-only games? <laughs> oh, God. Because the players-only crew... We'll probably talk about Isaiah Thomas for like two hours straight if that's who's on those games. Well, I'm thinking it's just the, the Tuesday game against Minnesota. Thank God that's a home game, so I don't have to listen to it. But I'm curious if we have some resolution on this IT thing after these next four games, which Denver is going to be under a heavy spotlight for. Yeah, and going back to what I was saying a couple minutes ago, if there does need to be a really difficult decision that needs to be made, I think Michael Malone will be willing to make that tough call. He's made tough calls like that before. I mean, think back to when the Nuggets were trying to play Yusef Nurkic and Nikola Jokic together. Yeah, they tried to make it work. Yeah, there were some bumps and bruises along the way. It was apparent after a while that it wasn't going to work. And Michael Malone made the decision to sit Yusef Nurkic down and make Nikola Jokic his starting center after a while. So he's made those difficult decisions before. And I think... The Nuggets and you know, Nuggets fans should trust him that he can make those again. And that's if this Isaiah Thomas thing doesn't work out because there is still a scenario out there where Isaiah Thomas shakes off the rust from missing 11 months. And we all knew it was going to take a lot of time for him to get back. There is still a scenario out there where he is able to be in this rotation down the stretch and in the playoffs. I don't think that's the likely outcome just with how these first seven games have gone. And that's what's so tough because he could very well find his rhythm, but to find it in 19 games, to find it in however many games he's going to wind up playing in a Nuggets uniform, 25 or whatever, if he plays through the end of the season, it might just be a fact that it's going to take him longer than that to find his rhythm after missing so much time. And that would be so understandable, you know? But I'm not yet willing to write it off entirely that he does find his rhythm. Yeah, that was a difficult decision, but that was nothing compared to this one. Because Yusuf Nurkic two years ago, or two years before that, didn't finish fifth in MVP voting. True. 
That's very true. It's different, but Michael Mullen has shown that he can navigate these decisions and he could do it again. Yeah. I mean, I've got great faith in Michael Mullen. I mean, if there's one thing about him, I think he's a great people person. Before we move on here, and we want to look ahead to this Lakers game real quick, but I got to tell you guys about an awesome deal right now at Total Beverage. You probably already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado at the best prices in Colorado, but now they're delivering it anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. And for a limited time, BSN listeners can get $10 off a $50 purchase from Total Beverage on their website and app by using the promo code BSN10. Again, how you get this discount Download the Total Beverage app or go to their website, type in the promo code BSN10, and you guys can save $10 off a $50 order and have it delivered right to your door. So check out Total Beverage on their website and app, promo code BSN10. You guys can save $10 off a $50 order. Of course, Total Beverage delivers to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. All right, Nuggets are in. Los Angeles, they play the Lakers Wednesday night national TV. The Nuggets have fallen on some dark times. They've lost three straight. The Lakers have fallen on some darker times. They're pretty much done. I feel like they got eliminated from the playoffs the other night against the Clippers. We're already talking about will LeBron sit games down the stretch? Will they shut him down? Blah, blah, blah. This could be a funeral of sorts for the Lakers. Kyle Kuzma isn't playing in this game. They're banged up with some other guys. I don't know if Brandon Ingram is playing. Uh, this could be a win for Denver, more importantly, but also the end of the Lakers season. Yeah, and you think the Nuggets are going through a little turbulence right now. Oh, man. Yeah, two of the engines just f- fell off the Lakers team plane. I mean, they just lost to the Clippers. Little brother who traded away their best player earlier this season and look like they're still going to make the playoffs. They, I mean, the Clippers don't even want to make the playoffs and now they're going to make the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Lakers were the most desperate team in the West to make the playoffs and they're going to miss. Oh my God. I mean, Patrick Beverly is out here quote tweeting Clippers blogs, a uh, Clippers blog, Clipper Hollocks made a shirt that said best team in Los Angeles. And Pat Bev said, need a box of these hoodies for homies. Best team in Los Angeles. Like that's not even a, controversial statement it's just like a statement of fact yeah i mean it helps when you all don't hate each other it's like the end of lord of the flies right now with the lakers it's not good it's not good and let me ask you this question does your perception of lebron has that been changed after this season of just so much controversy the trade rumors the injury that he had the body language that he's shown, his comments in the media this entire season, has your perception of him been changed here? And do you think he's not getting enough blame and enough uh, attention for just this debacle? Well, I think up to this point, LeBron was, you know, his talent, his greatness was good enough to overcome largely bad organizations or organizations with below average owners, which is a really difficult thing to do in the NBA. Are you saying the Lakers have below average owners? Um, I, I don't think Jeannie Buss is great. I got some really, really weird vibes listening to that podcast with, with Zach Lowe, but I don't think they're a well-run organization. I think Jeannie Buss is fine. I mean, there's a big difference between her and who's running the ship in Cleveland. Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, LeBron had David Griffin that second run, I think, is a, was a fantastic GM. But, I mean, I think 
the Lakers have a lot of issues with management. Like their plan was, okay, we just signed the greatest driver of the basketball in NBA history. Let's not surround him with shooters. Yeah, okay. Jeannie Buss is different than Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka. I, I agree with you there. But the, she empowered those guys. Right, right. Um, but I, I think there's a difference between like hiring those guys to do the job and then the decisions that those guys made. Um, I, I just don't think they're a good organization right now. Okay. I don't think Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka did a good job forming this team over the summer. Like LeBron was so confident in his abilities, and I guess I can see why. Looking at his history, he's like, "Well, I can go to a team where the management night but might not be great, and the young pieces are are just kind of meh, and it'll all work out because I'm LeBron James, and it has before. But you know, he, he's going to a tougher conference. He's getting up there mileage wise. It didn't work out this time. Yeah, the injury is the thing that sticks out, right? If LeBron doesn't get injured, what are the Lakers now? Five seed. I think so. I think the injury is really the, the, the biggest reason why the Lakers ultimately came up short this year, because it's easy to forget. They're really clicking. They were rolling before he got injured. And then that just sent their season sideways. Do you think it's a bigger factor than LeBron, like doing everything he could to get half the team traded for Anthony Davis and it not working out? Yeah. I think the injury derailed their season more than that for sure. Okay. Because the trade rumors still could have come, but they would have been firmly in the playoff picture when those rumors happened if LeBron didn't get hurt. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, LeBron, I think he deserves a lot of the blame too. Like, leadership-wise, I mean, he's been terrible this year. Awful. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been somewhat of a ding in my mind. Um, you know, it's disappointing to see, frankly. It's tough, man. This has definitely changed my perception of LeBron, no doubt. Just as a leader, his pure, how I view him purely as a player, too. Who do you think is the best player in the league right now? I don't think it's LeBron anymore. It's like, Kevin Durant. Yeah. yeah. I mean, LeBron's defense, I mean, the, the clips have started to go viral, but yeah, he, he's not putting in the effort on defense, and I guess that's that worked out for him in Cleveland because he can serve until the playoffs, but... That's not flying right now. Um, yeah. yeah, he's he's not the best player in the league anymore. I don't I don't think there's any question. I think the best player in the league is Kevin Durant, and I think that line of thinking will go mainstream when it becomes official that LeBron will miss the playoffs. Right or wrong, you know we don't know. I think what LeBron looks like when he's fully engaged and at full strength because he doesn't look like he's fully recovered from the injury, in my opinion, right now. And I don't really feel like he's gone 100% for a full 48-minute game really in months, probably since the beginning of the season. So I don't really know what LeBron looks like at his full powers right now. But uh, I think Kevin Durant's the best player in the league at this moment. Yeah, and it really pains me to say that too because Kitty's yeah. kind of lame. But. but he's so good. Oh, he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he probably is. It's, it's just so weird to see. Um I mean, you. I think you tweeted out this uh, this clip a while back, or maybe put it in our group text of Magic Johnson. He was being interviewed during a, a random summer league game. Or it was one of the Lakers summer league games, and you know, it's kind of explaining his philosophy of actually, here's why shooting isn't that important in today's NBA. Well, I don't know if you knew this. Magic Johnson watched every playoff game, every minute of every series, and came to the conclusion you don't need shooting. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, maybe he was watching, but uh, he was not understanding. I don't know, man. It, it just seems like the game has passed Magic by, which pains me to say it. I love Magic Johnson. My parents are Michigan State grads. They're actually at Michigan State when Magic went on his title run. I've, I was raised to be a huge Magic fan. This, this hurts my soul. I mean, the game seems like it's passed him by. Yeah, Magic Johnson is great at being a president of basketball operations, but I don't know if you want him making the day-to-day GM moves. I don't even know if he did. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, and maybe I'd feel better about it if, you know, the guy next to him wasn't Rob Palenka who's making, like, weird religious metaphors every chance he gets. Yeah, and the scuttlebutt you hear is that teams aren't really thrilled to be dealing with the Lakers right now and Rob Palenka. That's what you hear. They're not really lining up to field, like, Lakers trade calls and whatnot. Yeah, I may never be able to burn from my brain Rob Palenka calling the, the signing of KCP, Mana from Heaven. Mana from Heaven. <laughs> what do you think happens this summer with the Lakers? If you had to pinpoint one name that you think they get in free agency, who's that guy right now, you think? I mean, this is purely speculation, but I've, I've been saying Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. That feels like, I mean, a, a guy that could help LeBron, like they'll be in the playoffs next year, but ultimately it'll still be disappointing because I don't even know if they're making the Western Conference Finals. Was Kemba Walker on Team LeBron? I'm trying to remember. I don't think. No, I think he was, was a starter for Team Giannis. Yeah. Yeah, he was on Team Giannis. Hmm. So I wonder what LeBron thinks of him. I don't know, but I don't think they're going to get any of the A-listers or anything like that. You know who I think they're going to get? Who? Demarcus Cousins. Oh. Demarcus Cousins and LeBron. God, that's going to be an unwatchable team. My yeah, God, it's not going to be fun. Oh, a whole lot of pouting. Like uh, two guys in your starting lineup who are just never going to get back in transition defense. Yeah, talk about an unhappy team. We've been talking about how everybody in the league is pissed right now. God, there's going to be some bad energy on that team. Yeah, it 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 just doesn't feel like this is going to ever get considerably better. Like it feels like the Anthony Davis thing had to happen, and unless they figure out a way to get him this summer, which. I don't really see New Orleans doing that. I just, I just don't see this team like ever competing title for well, titles. The irony of the Anthony Davis thing now is Brandon Ingram has looked really good over these last couple of weeks, and Jason Tatum is kind of in this Boston malaise and has this, you know, the weird Boston energy. I've talked about how Kelly Oubre had just like this Washington stink attached to him. <laughs> And when he got dealt to Phoenix, and that's why I wouldn't want Kelly Oubre. Jason Tatum's kind of got this Boston stink on him right now. I don't know. I don't know how much worse of a asset Brandon Ingram is right now than Jason Tatum. I don't know. It's an interesting question. Um, because if I'm New Orleans, I'm not looking at Jason Tatum as like, oh my God, like the prized godfather offer has Jason Tatum at the center of it. I think I would much rather go for the number one pick wherever that winds up than him. Well, yeah. It's going to be Zion Williamson. I mm-hmm. mean, a, a lot of the smart draft people have said that, that Zion's the best prospect who's come out since Anthony Davis. I mean, I would do whatever I could to, to get the number one pick. Yeah. I also wouldn't rule out Jimmy Butler going to the Lakers. Ooh. Just seems like a classic guy that the Lakers just might have to outbid the Knicks for. I think that's going to be their main competition because the Knicks maxing out Jimmy Butler is just a total Knicks thing. There are going to be some unhappy teams again next year too, aren't there? Jimmy Butler and Kevin Durant in New York. 
the the LeBron Jimmy Butler dynamic would uh, be interesting too in L.A. because you know LeBron likes to to take these not so subtle shots at guys, but like you might not call them out by name. I feel like Jimmy Butler is a guy who would not be here for that. Yeah, Jimmy Butler and LeBron would each be calling each other out like secondhand in the media. Yeah, you know, Jimmy Butler is uh, confrontational. I'll say, like I, I don't know how he'd react to to some of that non-confrontational criticism. Who do you think the coach is going to be in Los Angeles next year? We know it's not going to be Luke Walton. Mark Jackson, baby. You think it's going to be Mark Jackson? I don't know. I'm just guessing. It would it would be the the most funny scenario. Yeah, it, it would be. I should just pull up a client list of clutch, and then we can probably <laughs> narrow down the coach. Do you remember when Mark Jackson was like, yeah, the, the Pelicans should do that deal with the Lakers? <laughs> oh, yeah, Mark? Why? Because you want to coach him next year? Who do you think the coach is going to be? Um, Man, not sure. I'm not sure. I'll go with Brian Shaw. Wow. <laughs> He's the number two on the bench right now. I mean, he had a great run in Denver. I could see why. You got anything else before we wrap up here? Do you think the Nuggets win this game? I guess we should. I say. feel like all of the Nuggets media has, has just been clowning on the Lakers the last 24 hours. So, uh, yeah, I think the Nuggets do win this game. And if they don't, oh, man, be ready for every Lakers fan to come out of the woodwork. Yeah, it's going to be like a retweet Armageddon type deal. <laughs> but, yeah, I think the Nuggets get back on track and win this game. I think they do, too. And then that Warriors game, who knows? Maybe that's a loss. But I do think they get this one in L.A., get back on the winning side of things. And hey, Isaiah Thomas has a lot to play for in LA as well. He certainly has a history there too. Should be an interesting one. We'll be back to recap this on Thursday. Talk to you then. If you guys are ever in need of a car, truck, or vehicle for a few hours or a few days, Get Around is at your service. If you're not familiar with Get Around, it's a car sharing app. You can literally unlock cars near you through their app. Better yet, if you have a car that's just sitting around, Make some extra money for your next vacation. Get Around's insurance policy and 24-7 customer service have you covered. Go to get.co backslash nuggets to save $15 off your first rental. Or you can visit get.co backslash BSN to sign up for free to rent your car out and start making some money fast.